Game one of the 1970 World Series. And the pivotal play unique in all baseball history. Ball right back to the pitcher. He gets his poles out of hang up. Circular Park, symmetrical in design, is only three months old. Hawkers carry the message of the big red machine. It's the series everybody wanted. The new red menace in the National League and Baltimore's runaway Orioles. Inside the stadium, a floor of artificial turf, wall to wall, the first series ever played on synthetic grass. The cleanup hitters Johnny Bench and Boog Powell, the two most valuable players of 1970. National League President Chubb Feeney, joins his predecessor, Warren Giles, in the stands. Jim Palmer, one of Baltimore's 320 game winners, is tapped for the opener. And the Reds' Bobby Tolan, a hero in the playoffs, fires a first shot, a crisp double to right center. The rock-ribbed figure of Johnny Bench. Tolan on third, two out. And Bench comes through in his first World Series swing. Colin scores. Cincinnati goes for more. Lee May wraps another single to left. May one of the less glorified thumpers in that big red machine. And Bench pauses at second. Now the only rookie in either lineup, Bernie Carbo. And you're seeing the start of the Brooks Robinson story. The inning is over. The Reds on top by one. Two innings later, the Reds open it up. Palmer seems to be laboring. Now he walks Tolan, the Major League's leading base dealer. Tolan stretches his lead, and now he takes off. Ellie Hendricks' haste is costly. Tolan makes his slide just the same, stolen base. With two down, Lee May comes up for a second time. And he tags the two-strike pitch. The ball clears the yellow marker of the inner home run fence. Bowen scores again. And Lee May chases him around. Come on, Lee! Let it go, buddy! The big bopper from Birmingham, Alabama. Cincinnati's Gary Nolan takes a three-run lead into the fourth when the biggest bird of them all answers back. A man, Mountain Dean, that's got. He's 
two-run homer. Boog Powell's been doing it all year with consistency. One swing of the bat, and the Orioles are back in the ball game. They trail by one, three to two. Now the Baltimore fifth. Ellie Hendricks leads off. First pitch by Nolan. And another blast. This one sailing into the shadows of the right field stand. It's all tied up, and the American leaguers are getting their own message across. As a run-making machine, they matched the Reds. In fact, over the full season, they were 17 runs better. And to borrow Casey Stengel's favorite expression, you can look it up. It's still 3-3. Three to three. Lee May leading off the sixth. And a spectacular stop and throw by Brooks Robinson gets him. Or does it? From ground level this time, the ball clearly beats the runner. It only seemed he didn't have a chance. Carbo follows that play with a walk, and now Helms hits one off his fist for a single. Carbo's on third, and what does Coach Alex Gramis tell him? You got one away now. Your best arm's in center field out there. I'll help the pinch you hitter is ball. Ty Klein. Ball right back to the pitcher. You got to go. If he gets you cold, try to hang up, okay? Now, fasten your seat belts. We're heading right for the eye of the storm. clearly proved. Number one, the ball is in the wrong hand. Number two, the umpire is out of position. And number three, the runner missed the plate. So the Orioles come out of it still tied, and Brooks Robinson now does it with his bat. A game breaker in the top of the seven. For Robinson, his first hit of the series. And coupled with his brilliance in the field, it makes him the first day hero. In the ninth, Palmer walks Pete Rose after getting his first two strikeouts of the game. Despite the struggle of the early innings, he's done well. But the manager wants a fresh arm, and Palmer leaves. Pete Rickard faces Bobby Tolan. One pitch, and Bobby's soft line is taken by Mark Belanger for the final out. The Orioles, who set a league record by winning 41-run games, do it again in the World Series opening. It's 24 hours after the fact, and every witness knows that frees the crowd when they're all tangled up at home plate. Bernie Carbo, Ellie Hendricks, and umpire Ken Burkhardt. Each man takes the stand, first Carbo. That's about... Uh... Five, ten feet before I got to home plate, I had to slow up about two steps and go around the umpire. The umpire was blocking home plate. So when I started to slide, I kind of pushed the umpire and hit his back leg 
and I slid past him. When I hit the umpire, he turned around. I don't think he saw the plate. I knew I missed home plate, but uh, the umpire already called me out, so I couldn't go back and touch home plate. And then actually, when I was arguing, I was jumping on home plate. So I was very uh, much uh, surprised to see him uh, coming in. Uh, knowing the ball was just hit right in front of the plate, uh, I know I had him, uh, if the umpire hadn't been in the way, uh, I think the umpire was in perfect position. He had to make a fair call. Somebody had to make it, and I think he was the only one that could have made it at the time. Klein was the hitter, and he bounced the ball high in the air, and I had to position myself to call the ball fair or foul. The ball was only fair, about four inches. I didn't realized that the runner would, would come home on a play this short from home plate. Palmer must have hollered at the Hendrick, the catcher, that he was coming, and I did the best I knew how on calling the play because my position was bad, but I was caught unexpected, and that's the way it happened, and that's the way I, the only thing I could do. Left-hander Mike Cuellar opposes the Reds in game two, and Pete Rose is safe on an error by Mark Belanger. Nolan bounces one slowly to the human vacuum, and Robinson's peg beats the takeout slide of Pete Rose at second. Now Tony Perez slaps a single to center, and it would be amazingly his only hit of the series. And the Reds once again mass their muscle for a first inning charge. Lee May comes up with two outs the slugger that Jim Palmer calls the quickest bat this side of the Mississippi. And he promptly doubles to left center. Two runs score as May steams in the third on the throat of the plate. Cincinnati fans remember last year, hopefully, Baltimore won the opener, then lost four straight to the Mets. Will Hal McRae burst the Baltimore bubble? It's a safety squeeze. And Cuellar's shovel throw home is off the line. Cincinnati leads three to nothing. Now to Cincinnati third, and Bobby Tolan. Tolan came to Cincinnati a year ago from St. Louis, where there is a Lou Brock, and Bobby's speed, his power, is reminiscent of Brock's World Series style. When Cuellar walks bench, the game's biggest winner over the last two years takes a walk himself. The heat is still on with Lee May up. May challenges Robinson once again, spinning him around, but Brooks stays with it, and the wheels are in motion for a textbook double play. Again, the Orioles wait three innings before unloading. Boog Powell sails his second home run of the series into the outer reaches of center field. And now it's Cincinnati four, Baltimore one.
The fifth is Baltimore's beginning. Chico Simone leads off first after a pinch single. Jim McLaughlin, acquired in a trade with the California Angels, seeks to recapture his rhythm. But Don Buford follows with another single to right. Paul Blair bounces a hit past Perez. Simone scores on the play, and manager Sparky Anderson has to come to the mound. Go ahead, Matt. He just didn't have good stuff, did he? Every ball they hit was low. Low. Simone hit the ball low. That's what he is, though. I thought he was going on first pitch. And Dead low ball. First and second, one out. First and second, one out. The new Cincinnati pitcher is 20-year-old Milt Wilcox. And Powell welcomes him aboard. Boog single scores Buford ahead of McCray's throw. And the gap is closing fast. After Frank Robinson flies deep, it's Brooks again. And he pushes this hit to right. Tying it up. Wilcox faces Hendricks. Powell on second is off with a pitch. And Hendricks hits it off the end of the bat. Powell scores on a double. So does Brooks Robinson. It's a big five-run inning. The Orioles now ahead, six to four. In the Cincinnati sixth, Johnny Bench gets in one more lick for the big red machine. A home run off veteran Mo Drabowski, and Baltimore leads by one. One inning later, Baltimore manager Earl Weaver plays the percentages. The left-handed Marcelino Lopez gets Bobby Tolan on a foul pop with two on. Now Weaver comes in with 40-year-old Dick Hall. And Hall closes out the inning as Perez bounces softly to Brooks Robinson for the force out. Dick Hall, the lankiest, most scholarly pitcher on the Orioles, Retires seven Reds he faces. The last one, Jim Stewart, on a drive hauled in by Paul Blair. And Brooks Robinson's victory salute tells it all. Once more, it's Baltimore by a run as they head home. The Baltimore Oriole is orange and black, and the big red machine is black and blue. The Reds know that no team has ever lost the first two World Series games at home and then won the series. Cincinnati's Bob Housen still hopes for better things. And Brooks Robinson reviews the two big plays on Lee May. Uh, the first play, I just tried to get rid of the ball and throw it in the general direction of the first base, and I guess I've thrown over there so many times, well, it just kind of comes natural, and I didn't have time to stop and plant my feet and throw. I just had to get rid of it, and fortunately, uh, I was able to get him. The other play that Lee May hit, well, the ball bounced up where I could get my hands on it. It hit a lot harder than the one the day before. I was spinning around. I was, it was much easier to go all around and throw to second base, and we got a double play out of it. Baltimore starter Dave McNally is reached for a hit by leadoff man Pete Rose, a born fighter. And now Bobby Tolan lays one down. 
His buck refuses to roll foul. And Brooks Robinson can only watch. Dave McNally hoping to choke off another quick charge by the Reds. And here comes ubiquitous Brooks Robinson. Slowed down. You can see Robinson go to third. Four strides instead of playing it around the horn. And he's got the double play with something to spare. And another baseball finds a magnetic glove. Tony Cloninger tries where others have failed. And Frank Robinson, nothing for nine in two games, breaks out of it. Don Buford, who walked, wheels in the third. After Paul Blair walks on a full count to load the bases, it's Brooks Robinson's turn. And he slams a double down the left center field alley. For once, the Orioles get on the board first. Down by two, Cal McRae singles and then leads off first. Tommy Helms tops one to third. And Brooks Robinson makes the only possible play. McRae's at second. McNally working on the third out. Rookie shortstop Dave Concepcion in his first start of the series goes to the opposite field. The throw by Frank Robinson skips by catcher Andy Echebaron and the Reds have their first run. Whenever the Reds threaten, some Oriole glove puts a clinker in the machine. This time, the glove belongs to Dave Johnson on this third inning shot by Pete Rose. Baltimore's lead is restored to two when Frank Robinson tees off to straightaway center. Just like a three wood in the trap. But only the Reds feel trapped. This is Frank Robinson's third World Series since the Reds traded him away five years ago. After Blair singles, the Birds try running on Johnny Bench. Again in the fourth, and this time it's Dave Johnson. The throw is high, but not high enough. Unable to run on bench, the birds go back to playing long ball. Don Buford, the leadoff man. And it is done, and a four to one lead for Baltimore. The birds keep their infield nice and smooth for Brooks Robinson and company. It's the only crew with a women's lib crasher. 14-year-old Linda Wareheim. Oh, I can knock it. Emmett Ashford waited a long time to break into a World Series. 
baseball was never like this. But dignity like cream will always rise to the top. But on with the Brooks Robinson show. Even in slow motion, Johnny Bench's drive is still a blur. Robinson with a four-point landing, letting the world know he has it. In the sixth, with one out, Paul Blair launches another big Oriole inning. And that's all for Tony Cloninger. In comes Wayne Granger, traveling first class. And Brooks Robinson finds the open spaces. Rocking one off the wall for a double. The book calls for an intentional walk to fill the bases and get at the two low men in the Oriole lineup. But after Echeverin fans for the second out, McNally works the count to two and two. A year ago, McNally hit a World Series home run against the Mets' Jerry Kuzman. And now, another deep drive. And it's a grand slam home run. The first by a pitcher in 67 years of World Series happening. The Orioles go on to win 9-3. They are now a game away from a sweep. Is Dave McNally happy? the field before game four, famed sports artist Leroy Neiman puts his brush to work with on-the-spot live sketches of the athletes. Meanwhile, the big red machine is on the edge of disaster, and Johnny Bench can't get Brooks Robinson out of his mind. Brooks just made some plays that I didn't think were quite possible by anybody else, and of course I heard a lot of things about Brooks, and he just had so fantastic reflexes that uh, he was able to dive for the ball. Actually, the ball looked like it was by him, and he dove for the ball and came up with it. The old professor Casey Stengel does the pregame honors, flanked by American League President Joe Cronin, Commissioner Bowie Kuhn, and Baltimore's head man, Jerry Hoffberger. And once more for the West Coast. Jim Palmer goes for the sweep. And Bench lifts a foul pop that seems out of play. Now look at 250 pounds of agility. Play by Powell closes out the Reds first. But in the second, Venezuela's newest shortstop find, Dave Concepcion, splits right center with a triple, bringing in Lee May. If the Reds see time running out in 1970, they also see a star rising at short. Cincinnati on top again. Second time starter Gary Nolan delivers to Brooks Robinson. And boom, it's a one-to-one -one ball game. The lamp black under Robinson's eyes seemed to drip with emotion. And this pilot times his run just right. In the Cincinnati third after Tolan walked, 
Rose weighs in with a single to right center. Palmer, respectful of the speed on the bases, checks the runner. Mark Belanger makes a lunging grab. There's no play, and Bobby Tolan scores. The Reds lead 2-1. to one. But it's the Birds' turn to strike back. Palmer's on second, Powell at first, Frank Robinson. On the hit, Palmer is waved around by on-deck Brooks Robinson. The throw is off the mark, and it's all tied up. Brooks Robinson comes up. And this hit has the umpire jumping. Watch it, Emmett. Powell rounds third as Tolan fumbles, and the runners move up. Baltimore leads 3-2. The Reds bring in their hard-throwing young left-hander Don Gullett to pitch to Ellie Hendricks. Is one through. Frank Robinson scores. Now Brooks goes to the plate, but a good throw by Pete Rose cuts him down. So it's four to two Baltimore with a red rose batting in the fifth. Pete checks his swing, the count is full. His first homer of the series, hitting the bullpen roof. Rose doesn't get many, but he runs them out, the fastest home run hitter in the game. The Oriole lead is trimmed to four to three. Now it's the sixth, and here's that man again. Baltimore's greatest discovery since crab cakes, and don't those fans know it. Look at that standing ovation. In this game, Brooks has a homer and a single off Nolan. Now he makes it three for three against Gullet. Sometimes, as they say, a ball has eyes. And this one by Hendricks squirts through the right side. The throw by Rose takes a high hop over the head of third baseman Tony Perez. Brooks Robinson is waved in. Hendricks takes third. The Orioles lead five to three. To the seventh, Pete Rose bounces one to first base and claims foul off his foot like, do you remember Nippy Jones and Cleon Jones? But Rose is ruled out. Despite the frustration, the Reds don't quit. It's the top of the eighth, time running out. After Perez walks, Bench puts the wood on the ball, and the machine has something going. That's all for Palmer, who's tiring. Weaver gives the ball to Eddie Watt. Now Lee May, with a tying runs aboard, and all he asks, is what's with what. 
One pitch, one swish of the bat, and Lee May turns it around. Lee May, the free swinger. He goes for the first pitch he can reach, and if he hits it right, it's gone. For once, the big red machine has wiped out a Baltimore lead. up to Clay Carroll, who protects that lead into the ninth. Two out, three and two in the pinch hitter, Marv Rettenman. This should do it. The umpire's initial call ends the game. But the ball squirted loose. An error charged on the throw, and Baltimore is still alive. Series games have been lost on less than that, but Carroll won't let it happen. The batter is Don Buford. Carroll reaches back for something extra, and it's all over. Cincinnati breaks the spell. They win six to five and trail three games to one. The morning of game five comes up wet. The Reds with a riddled pitching staff could use the day off. It's the commissioner's decision to make, and armed with weather reports, he says play ball. That means the magic mitt of Brooks Robinson, destined for a place of honor in baseball's Hall of Fame, must be lathered for another workout, and the fans sound off. The most fabulous baseball player I've ever seen. Fantastic. Does it every summer. I get here in May, and I watch him right through to September. He's been doing it for 12 years. This first time I've been up here, first time I've seen him play, and I think he's fantastic. He's the greatest. <laughs> It's only one thing that they didn't say, that Brooks Robinson belonged in heaven, not here on the ground, because the way he plays third, I've never seen nothing like it. Mike Cuellar, knocked out in less than three innings of his first series game, is off to another shaky start. Pete Rose drops one into right field. In on his nose, just to make sure, is Rose. They're two down when Johnny Bench singles to right. Rose scores the fourth time in five games that Cincinnati breaks on top. Lee May. His last swing was a game buster. And this one turns off the wall for two bases. Johnny Bench pulls up at third. So there are two runners asking for Hal McRae to pick them up. And he does another double. Bench comes in. And now May. Cincinnati leads three to nothing. And Mike Cuellar's famed screwball just isn't behaving. But the Reds unveil sore-armed Jim Merritt, their big winner. And he gives up his first hit to Paul Blair. A drive well played by McCray, but it's trapped. Frank Robinson jockeys the count to three and two before he gets his pitch. And quickly, the birds answer back. Robinson, the only player ever picked as most valuable player in both leagues, still lets his bat do the talking. In the second, Baltimore presses the attack on Merritt. Johnson is on with a walk, 
when Echeverra rips a single up the middle. Runners on first and second. Out of the dugout, manager Sparky Anderson. Badger, I know you feel fine, and I know... I'm, that, I'm not sorry, Sparky, really. Oh, I know that. I know that, Badger, but I'm going to have to make a decision, and I'm going to make it like I always make. Well, and I know you feel good, and I appreciate you going out here today. Believe me. But I know this. For you to stay out here over four or five innings today, then you do no good. I appreciate you going out it's just been 11 days. I think I can get it together, you know. I know that, Jimmy. Don't think I don't know. He didn't have enough, did he, John? Okay, I don't think he would bunt, but let's play him. He won't, he, he shouldn't pull the ball that much on him anyway over there. So let's play him a little tight. Wayne, you got two out first and second. Go get Let's go hard. Wayne Granger gets the call. And with two out, he duels Mark Belanger, hitless in his last 12 tries. But 13 doesn't come up. The single brings Johnson home on his face. Paul Blair comes up with a score tied. And he punches another hit through. This time, Echebarren beats the throw, and the Orioles lead 4-3. to three. And Doomsday is written all over Johnny Bench's face. In the third, the Orioles continue the shelling. Boog Powell leading off. Merv Rettman in the starting lineup for the first time. Single. Nolan goes for Powell at the plate. But it's another run for the Orioles. Ahead by two, nobody out, Redmond on second. Brooks Robinson makes the professional play, hitting behind the runner, an art that doesn't show in the box score. The coup de grace for Granger is delivered by Dave Johnson. Redman scores through the drawn-in infield, and it's Baltimore six to three. Bill Wilcox. All right, Wayne. Poor Wayne. I don't understand. Everything he's thrown up there, they kiss. Every ball they hit, it's a base hit. High bounces through there, ordinary ground balls through. There. But the whole outfield on that infield, they still get through somewhere. I never see nothing like it. Milt, you got one out, you got a man on first base, and one out. Go hard. Young Milt Wilcox, in relief at Granger, holds the birds the hard way. Mike Robinson smashed ricochets to Perez for the putout. Cincinnati's fourth pitcher is Tony Cloninger, starting the fifth. Second man he faces is Redman, and Murr's drive stays fair, curling just inside the right field foul pole. Earl Weaver keeps pushing the right button, and the Baltimore lead goes to 7-3. In Cincinnati's next turn, Tony Perez hangs one out, but here Belanger shows a real streak of luck 
and over the last five innings, Mike Cuellar hasn't given up a hit. In the seventh, two men on, the pinch hitter is Bernie Carbo, and Mike Cuellar starts his own double play. Against Ray Washburn in the eighth inning, the Orioles make sure. Boog Powell comes up with Blair at second, Robinson at first. The bouncer skips off Lee May's glove. Tommy Helms gives it a try. And Paul Blair scores all the way from second. The desperate Reds come in with Clay Carroll. Dave Johnson's third hit streaks up the middle. And Frank Robinson registers the Bird's ninth and final run. But don't go away. There is one more memorable moment before the curtain comes down. Johnny Bench leads off the ninth. And again, Brooks Robinson jams up the machine. Fair or foul, Houdini at the hot sack does his thing. For Mike Cuellar, after a rough start, the series comes down to one more out. The pinch hitter is Pat Corrales. And poetic justice directs this routine grounder to the right man. Sweet bird of ecstasy. The year-long run for redemption is over. The Orioles, in the role of beaten favorites, come roaring back. And Brooks Robinson, held the one hit in the World Series of 1969, hits the jackpot in 70. One year, the taste of ashes, now the taste of champagne.